0: Creativity can be expressed through, our, through art, you know, naturally, or through business, through relationships, through our interests. Creativity means to me thinking outside of the way we normally see through our two eyes. Creativity is uh, expression. A, a devotion to a craft and to continually test yourself and progress at it.
1: Creativity means the expression of an idea.
0: I think this world is, and relationships are built on the ability for people to share those passions and creativity with each other.
1: Thank you for tuning in to Killer Creatives. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Killer Creatives, where today we are joined by comic book illustrator Christian Donaldson, with whom we chat about extraterrestrial road trips pants optional workplaces and the future of comics enjoy christian how are you doing today
0: i'm doing great
1: awesome thanks yeah. for joining us it's
0: november 6th i feel good it's a great day yeah
1: what's your favorite thing that's ever happened on a november
0: 6th <laughs> mm, well uh <laughs>
1: mine is this podcast <laughs> uh so killer we are a coffee company do you drink coffee uh, does it play any role in your creative or or professional life you have a favorite coffee drink
0: uh well uh my favorite coffee drink would just be you know drip coffee uh usually made at home uh lots of cream no sugar uh i am not a morning person i i feel like uh you know uh i don't know cemented <laughs> like in the morning like i'm very stiff i'm very like uh slow to wake uh and so my uh You know three big cups in the morning over the span of like you know an hour and a half that's that's very much a a sacred get pumped personal private time yeah yeah Yeah, and you know uh everyone in my family knows to kind of give me a little (laughs) little (laughs) runway in the morning
1: (laughs) awesome uh so on this podcast we interview people uh capital c creatives people creative professionals people that of creativity in their work so what does uh, creativity mean to you
0: well uh, i don't know i've never been asked that but i, I guess it means a devotion devotion to mm. something you know a-, a devotion to a craft and to continually test yourself and progress at it uh you know, uh, my personal development has been like pretty much a, a straight, you know, diagonal line up as far as just like what I present, mm-hmm. like just literally the efficacy of, of my work. Like, uh, uh, I'm able to look at work that, it, you know, isn't even that old and, and be able to like see the, the, the places that I would, you know, improve. Uh, do you have I,
1: any, do any ex- examples of that come to mind?
0: Uh, well just like from each book to the next i mean like uh i'm not necessarily like uh a guy who you'd go to the comic shop and you'd find like a new single you know 22 page floppy uh every month from me or something uh i'm kind of someone who pops up about you know every 18 months to two years with a new limited series or a new graphic novel uh and if you were to like take everything i've done and sort of just you know stack it back to back lay it out on a table uh my my changes in my evolution are are drastic like they're almost shocking uh and then kind of the mode i'm working in now uh is is kind of a culmination of a lot of things you know that have come before uh and a lot of stuff that you know people won't necessarily see a lot of process stuff that you know essentially is intangible it's in files it's in mm. deleted you know photoshop layers <laughs> it's in scrapped you know uh you know scrapped versions of things like it, it it's a thing where I, I i really have like a pipeline now that i do that's very much like a a digital and a 3d artist pipeline i probably have like it feels like at this point now in my development i might have more in common with like a 3d modeler slash game development artist uh than i do with other comic book artists but i'm sure we'll probably get get more into like the technicalities of that later yeah sure <laughs>
1: no, that's fascinating uh so what's some of kind of your personal story you live in richardson yeah i, Texas. Live,
0: in, I live in richardson uh my uh my dumb joke is that i'm richardson's most famous famous comic book artist <laughs> and i am like richardson's only comic mm-hmm. book artist so uh yeah i live in richardson uh i've lived here for about three and a half years i live uh not too far from where we're sitting right right now in communion um and i worked here i uh worked here in like a private space for two and a half years uh and i recently started working back at home again gonna see how that goes uh but uh, yeah did you
1: grow up in this area
0: i grew up in florida And lived in Georgia for a while too So I'm from the southeast I moved here uh, to Dallas when I was 26 I'm 40 now So I've been here for 14 years What brought you to uh, Dallas? Uh, So uh, I would visit here I I have relatives here So I have like a big extended family here Hmm. Um, But like the actual thing That that, like spurred the move Was uh, my grandmother Who I was extremely close to I actually lived with her uh during college like my college years Mm -hmm. like end of high school and college so when i was going back and forth from her house north of atlanta down to scad in savannah you know my home was with her Uh, and we were extremely close always have been my whole life uh she's passed since but um when it came time after i graduated uh for her to have a new living situation that would like be you know better for her essentially mm-hmm. you know like assisted living yeah, like, sure. uh, care uh it was my relatives here who we were very close to that found an assisted living home here in Dallas okay and so it was it was better for her to move to one here than for her to go to one like closer to Atlanta and so uh you know I I didn't have like uh, like a necessity to to move here but I figured you know um i, I didn't want to s- i i was compelled to continue to be a part of her life you know mm-hmm. even though i didn't necessarily have to be there to take her to doctor's appointments sure. help fill her you know uh her uh prescriptions and all that but i was like you know what I, I i don't want her to be like gone from my life halfway across the country yeah so and i was i was excited it was either i was going to go to atlanta and like find an apartment or come here and find an apartment like it was pretty much one or the other And so I just uh made the move did uh one one long drive with two dogs in the passenger seat (laughs) and uh you know a computer in the (laughs) in the back seat and uh yeah uh it was great it was a great uh it was a great move for me It, it marked kind of a whole new chapter in my life and it coincided right when my career was kind of starting to pop off you know uh which was you know 2 2006 2007 uh so i got i got embraced uh uh pretty like pretty completely and like organically by uh kind of the community around uh Zeus comics uh uh richard richard Neal from Zeus comics is a very close friend of mine uh and he he was kind of like i'd consider like maybe my first real like backer you know like first real like person to really kind of uh include me in you know a lot of the stuff going on around town Mm. uh a lot of their special in-store events and stuff like that uh and yeah i i really kind of like that was a little bit like i'm looking back at like salad days golden days you know Mm. like around then because it was like i'm in this new place career's kind of going hot it's all kind of new i got you know uh i i got you know this comic shop where i can like drop in and i've got people who like work there who like kind of promote me and I can pop in just about any time and see a friend or, you know, I don't often use the F word, but, like, meet a fan, you know? Like, it'd be <laughs> like, oh, I weird, I have fans and, like, they shop here. And, like, I can I can pop in on a Wednesday and buy my comics the same as them. And, was that
1: weird, like, when you were first exposed to people that were, like, already familiar with your work and, or knew who you were?
0: Uh, it, it wasn't weird. It was really advantageous because, like, every friend I have even to this – day here in town, like, it sort of unfolded from, like, one or two chance meetings with friends, you know, and relationships that started to, like, stick and take hold from, like, right around that time, and I think if I hadn't like, if I, like, the the, the books that I had out, that I had published at that time, and this was, like, kind of early in the Facebook days, you know, it's like, post MySpace, kind of early into the Facebook dominance, mm-hmm. and like, uh, people, who had read my work and saw that I was like attending events in Dallas, mostly through Zeus and stuff, uh, would come to the events to get a signing or meet me. And a lot of those people actually ended up becoming like real legit friends that like, I still spend time to Mm. still spend time with to this day. Um, so yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as like, any sort of like you know f- you know fan creator experience like i one time had a guy at uh the old amsterdam bar down in expo park mm. like recognized me from a like a store thing and bought me a beer then another time i nice. i went i went into the apple store to do a return on like some headphones or something and the guy uh like like I, you know it's always mobbed at the apple store yeah. and like a, like i was standing there looking lost and a guy came over to me and he was like Mr. Donaldson, can I come help you over here? and I was like, "What?" It's like, dude, you know me. He's like, "Yes, yes, I do." I was like, <laughs> "I was like, dude, you gotta be kidding me!" And like, I don't know. I had I had more of like a, a laugh off of that than than like any like oh you know any true like celeb feelings or anything. Cause like I uh, you know it's not like I wouldn't call start co-
1: calling all your other friends, telling you know you, I made it big. I don't need you. Anymore. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I got that apple on my side. But yeah, you know, it, it like. To, to me like there's not really anything like glamorous about con <laughs> i mean like you're at home you know you're not at home but you know you're at home or your office and it's pretty isol. you know it's a pretty solitary affair you know it's 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 pretty much like a pants optional <laughs> kind of thing and there's just really nothing too like glamorous about that <laughs> to me
1: are you into the kind of like uh isolated nature of your work
0: uh well like yes and no like sometimes it is uh you know, depressing. <laughs> uh and you know, I I did I I like co-working like as a uh as a means to an end as far as like I get more done uh having a clear-cut work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Um uh it's very difficult uh to establish a work-life balance in comics as an artist. Um it starts young, you know, it starts for me it started in college like we're really like the more worn out tired sleep deprived you know you know stooped and beaten down like that's like like that's honorable like that's what you should be doing like to be doing less than that is you're you're a lightweight you're a phony like get out of here like you know and there is a lot of like
1: that's the perception like within the industry
0: yeah well and it starts in school like mm-hmm. you know whether whether you actually went like i you know i studied sequential art at scad uh but you know A lot of people in my field, uh, you know, went to school for illustration, went to school for design, uh, you know, went to school for, for, you know, some type of, you know, digital art making or, uh, you know, and, and, you know, they've worked, some of them have worked in film, some of them have worked in animation, some of them have worked in, you know, uh, commercial illustration, you know, there is crossover that most comic book artists kind of experience in, in other fields and other disciplines, um... But yeah, it, it starts early. Like you, you gotta be like, uh, you know, on on your grind. You know, you gotta be like working hard. Um, and uh, it's not necessarily the most healthy attitude to like carry into your adult life. Like, uh, I, I would say that like I didn't start to experience a work-life balance in, until I started working away from the home.
1: Hmm.
0: Like it, it was like a just a blur of days before that. You know. Yeah. And, like, I I refuse to... Like, I I just... I mean, if I had to, like, I would. But, like, I refuse to work, like, all-nighters like I used to. I mean, I I would work all-nighters two nights a week Hmm. back in the day. Um, Especially, like, you know, with a project pressing. Yeah. I won't do it anymore. Like, the last book I worked on, like, I got it done pretty quick. I didn't work past 12.30, like, even once. Like, Hmm. I think maybe one... I think maybe one time I worked like kind of late, uh, didn't quite see the sun come up. But like I, I used to see this, the sun come up like all the time.
1: <laughs> Are you at your best when you're, you know, you've been up for two days and well, you you're get, not sleeping? You, and... you get
0: the illusion, like you hit this like second wind, you know, where you, 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 I don't know what I don't know what happens if it's adrenaline or just like your brain starts going mushy, <laughs> but you're suddenly like. I'm amazing. I don't need sleep. I feel great. I'm, I'm better at this level. You know, this is, you know, I'm, I'm, f- I'm funnier, smarter, and better looking right now, you know, but meanwhile, you're like gray matter is like dissolving and like coming out your ears. <laughs> right.
1: uh, so what has your uh, professional kind of progression through your career been? What, like, can you give us a timeline of, of what you've worked on? Or... Yeah,
0: totally. So, um, I, uh, I attended SCAD from 99 to 2003, graduated 2003, uh, with a degree, so whoo did it, uh, I, uh, my very first little bit of freelance work was for, uh, Wizards of the Coast, okay. um, which is a, a, a game company,
1: yeah.
0: uh, based out of Atlanta, I think they're based out of, based out of,
1: played some Magic the Gathering growing up, you know? Yeah, uh,
0: and so I did, like, a few spot illustrations for, uh, for like a compendium book, uh, and you know, t- you know, just it was like five illustrations, and you know, just a, a brief description of like what you know what each one needed to be, um, and it was like a, a nautical fantasy theme. So that was like my very first thing. So what's trying, the process
1: like for getting a job like that?
0: Well, that that was uh, a, a stroke of luck because like the the creative, um, like creative heads of the department had come to my school mm. and so like they li- i literally got a business card from someone who came to like visit my school for like basically a job you know a job day job fair day kind yeah, yeah. of thing. uh and i submitted some stuff just some of my own you know personal like sketches and stuff and uh they were like yeah okay we can put you on five five drawings you know and uh in the in the actual like edition of that uh that compendium book that the illustrations appeared in uh, were like a couple of other really cool comic book artists. So I was like, I was like, oh, I'm like actually, I'm now published next to a couple of these other guys that the I like know
1: and like. Validating, and, experience. yeah.
0: And so from that, I was able to start uh, getting um, spots at conventions because like uh, it's a it's a thing where you have to have like at least like a credit you know, a professional credit Mm -hmm. to exhibit at most conventions. And so uh, around that time, before I even graduated school, I had, you know, a professional credit and I could start going to the conventions in the Southeast. Uh, And I would, you know, usually go with a few friends from school, Uh, you know, go to like MegaCon in Orlando, DragonCon in Atlanta. There's another one in Atlanta. I forget what it's called. Uh,
1: So I think almost as much as People are aware of comic books. You, people that aren't even into comic books, I think, are aware of these conventions. They have a, yeah. a bit of a reputation. You know, they usually generate some attention. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: Well, there, there's so many, yeah. you know, and they do run the range from, like, the the kind of, like, uh, the stereotype of, like, you know, the sad holiday in convention room, you know, <laughs> that people would, like, make fun of, like, or or, like, it's Comic-Con where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, here's tons of, like, you know, famous people, you know, like, taking a little a uh, break from Hollywood to come, you know, meet and greet people. Uh, so there, there's definitely, like, strata. There's levels for sure. Um, and so uh, right after that, uh, right around that same time, so, at, like, at a convention, I met a writer. And this was my my first kind of experience with, okay, like, now I'm working with a writer. I'm paired. I'm pair-bonded now mm. to to another person. And now we, two of us, have this righteous quest to, like, Create a comic, get it published, get it done, get it out. Uh, and, uh, like...
1: You work I, well with others in, in those situations? Yeah,
0: I do. Yeah, I, I you know, to make... Uh, my motto for comics is, results may vary. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't bet on anything. Yeah. Like, uh, be prepared to be surprised. Um, <laughs> but, no, I, I do. Like, uh, you know, I I've uh disappointed and been disappointed you know it's just it's like any relationship you know yeah. like you'll have exes <laughs> <laughs> some of them you'll like and think of fondly and some of them you'll n- not <laughs> yeah sure uh but yeah so uh we uh this writer and I his name is Carmen a uh, really nice guy I guess I've kind of fallen out of touch with him uh but we pitched a book to Image Comics and uh That's, like, a pretty plum kind of, like, first spot to land, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. to go from basically nowhere to, like, having a creator-owned image book. You know, like, that's a pretty quick leap and a pretty, like, uh, a a pretty quick education. Um, You know, immediately you find out that, like, the road is not paved with gold. Sure. (laughs) You know, like, uh, uh, the way that, like, you know, some like when you're getting into creator-owned comics, so the, you know, the vital distinction between creator-owned, the other side of that is work for hire. So there's creator-owned and there's work for hire. Creator-owned means uh, you and you know, either by yourself or with a collaborator, you have created a new thing and you just need printing and distribution. Um, you know, you, and you essentially become copyright holders and you've birthed an IP, congratulations uh but you know the 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 market you know like is pretty sink or swim, you know like uh you could have a brand new thing and it could be the Walking Dead or you could have a new thing and it could just be total obscurity mm. you know uh to put it in perspective, my first comic with image came out the same month as the first issue. the walking dead (laughs) okay so like (laughs) like uh and like i remember being like at an image booth with like the walking dead guys one of which i'm still like pretty good friends with to this day uh and it's not robert kirkman (laughs) uh but like uh you know so yeah results may vary uh but it was it was a good place to kind of start and it gave me what was that first book Uh, It was called Forsaken and it was a sci-fi kind of Blade Runner influenced kind of thing, you know, like Super Future, uh, Bounty Hunters, uh, some aliens thrown in. Uh, It was cool though. like I like I wouldn't say it was like a a, like a particularly like strong book or like a strong, you know, like I'm still proud of it because like, you know, it was it's my kind of early uh, early introduction to like what it really means to get one of these things done um uh, but yeah i i I drew it and colored it uh i drafted one of my friends from school uh named nick sagami to ink it because i was like i just i need some help so I i tagged a buddy in uh and uh essentially like we weren't working for a rate like we were working on spec so it was like okay like you will make money later <laughs> uh, you know if you pass a certain kind of sales benchmark uh, that sales benchmark is is actually pretty high you know like you like there's a healthier market now but like in 2004 there wasn't I wouldn't say it was like a roaring market you know for like you know what essentially it would be independent comics mm-hmm. uh, I've watched that sector grow like a lot in the last 16 years uh to be more varied and stronger and sort of a healthier, you know, subsector of comics. Um but you know there's more stability in work for hire, you know, especially like if you're working for Marvel DC, you know, that's mm-hmm. when essentially you're trading on your ability to get a thing done in your name, you know, kind of your temperature like your heat index, you know, applied to your name
1: mm-hmm.
0: will kind of depend on what you make per page. Um, so, di- yeah, did Forsaken. It didn't really go anywhere, when but you- I wasn't deterred, you know. I was ready to, like, get right into the next comic.
1: When you pitch a book like that, do you pitch an idea or do you create the whole thing and then market that?
0: No, you, you, you uh, create a capsule, basically. You create a pitch capsule. Um, so that, that is, and and this this is still true. I mean, like what I'm doing right now, it's still the same formula and it's, it's, it's small, you know, it's like a cover. It might not be the cover that Mm -hmm. runs, but a cover. Um, uh, I like doing lots of design, like character design stuff, you know, essentially like, uh, showing your work. Like I like to do character sheets and stuff like that, but no one actually really needs that. Like no publisher in the business like if you're trying to get a creator own creator own thing going really wants that they just want to see that you can do interiors so they can get a they can get an idea within five pages and then like a one page summary from the writer whether or not it's going to go now you usually you'll have some skin in the game already if you're a if you're a, a like a kind of a known quantity you'll have your previous works to kind of you know Back things up yeah. to kind of you know show a publisher that you've got a presence, um, so yeah, I stayed kind of with the indie route, but had I guess you could you you could say like a lot more exposure and success with my next book, which was a book called Supermarket, and like so I you know I've done maybe like you know seven eight things, but like to me there's kind of only Supermarket and the Dark, <laughs> you know so sort of my like I consider that my first like real book. You know, that I saw through to the end like that, you know, that, that kind of got a full life, you know. Um, and then my most recent thing, the dark, you know, like that's I, I consider that like my first real like mature, you know, work. All these years later, I'm like, okay, I think this is how I'm gonna be doing things from now on. And
1: what was what's the story behind Supermarket?
0: Oh, Supermarket was cool. So Supermarket came out from IDW and it was a four issue mini series, uh where I uh I got to do a lot of the art direction you know like essentially like kind of visually the whole package like all the covers all the kind of like inside front cover art like all you know uh, design every character like I was pretty much like let loose and it was me kind of at my most uh I guess you could say like gonzo you know like Mm -hmm. I was really like you know wanting everything to be like you know, an over the top, you know, Quentin Tarantino, Kill Bill, volume two, like everything is so precisely like cool. Everything is so like visually like, uh, rich and dense, you know? So like, uh, that one was essentially a crime book, uh, a sci-fi crime book, uh, girl on the run story, you know, like girl on the run with a bag full of money getting chased by Yakuza and, uh, a Swedish, a Swedish porn mafia. So yeah, <laughs> of course. Was, yeah. So that that book was cool. Like you had these, you know, sort of like archetypal yakuza characters, but like I, I kind of took the spin to like make them a little bit more exaggerated, a little more grand. You know, everyone like had all the tattoos, all the crazy like you know Japanese rockabilly, pompadour like full spike haircuts, like just the, very much that like, uh, Japanese bad boy aesthetic, you know, I was really into that. And there was a supercar element to it. So picture kind of like little fast and furious meets like a Yakuza movie. Uh, and that, that one was a lot of fun. Like I, I got a lot of exposure off that book. Um, and yeah, pretty much, uh, after that I did, I went, uh, straight from that to a graphic novel for DC for Vertigo. Uh, And, like, I'm proud of of that book. It was the first book that I did all digitally. Uh, But it was, like, kind of a flop. Like, not a lot of people read it. Like, only a few thousand people ordered it and read it. Um, It was part of a hardcover crime line. So it was part of a premium line of graphic novels. I think there were, like, a dozen different volumes by different creative teams. Uh, I spent way too long making it. Like I still caught the, like the window, like the marketing window, mm-hmm. but like I, for what I was getting paid, I just, I, I spent too much time on it. I didn't like, I, you know, I lost money, uh, and then it flopped and I was like, oh, okay, well like there goes my heat. And then, <laughs> but it was still cool. Like, like honestly, like that book, it was extremely strenuous to get done. Like I wasn't jibing with the material. Like it was, it was, mis- it was miserable. It was the first time that I was like, oh, the drawing comics can be miserable. Yeah like I had you know my first thing that was pretty exciting and then my second thing that was like pretty much a a a big a big win mm-hmm. like a big creative like drop you know it was very like cool and very complete and then I did this like somber black and white graphic novel that no one read and it was it was pretty bleak you know bleak subject matter it was about like you know refugees and like uh you know inner city crime and like there was like genocide and like You know people people hacked to death by machetes and like it was just it was very bleak Pretty positive book yeah so i went from like oh here's my kill bill fast and furious yakuza movie it's all brightly colored and poppy and like you know you could just basically feel all the cool mood dripping off it to like you know genocide (laughs) (laughs) black and white genocide uh but you know i'm still i'm proud of that book it was called 99 days you can still find it uh you know and like I, I'm proud of that one because like that's the first one I went all digital uh and so it's very you know kind, kind of in in the vein of what I was talking about earlier like one project being very distinct from the next being mm-hmm. very distinct from the next like and that's still kind of how how it is with me like each thing is 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 very technically and thematically and I mean like Atmospherically, just the general, you know, vibe, whatever, whatever the vibiness of it is, is very different from project to project. Um,
1: is that influenced just by the subject matter alone, or is yeah, it influenced sometimes. by like, yeah. by you at the time, how you're feeling?
0: Both, yeah, both, big time. Because, like, okay, when when you sign up to do a comic, you are signing up to spend more time with the people in that comic the characters the fictional representations of characters you know you're now going to spend more time with them in the places that they're inhabiting you know than you're going to spend with anyone else in your life you know like uh you know i might draw a page over a day day and a half two days you know and on that page i might draw a character a pair of characters whatever you know you know four to six times on that page and I you know say I spend you know two hours per panel or whatever uh that's still going to be more time than I spend with my wife you know at the time girlfriend when we're talking about these these earlier books uh or or any friends that i you know you know or, or any free time that i could muster yeah sure uh so essentially like you you're into spending time with those people in those places and like when i draw an environment when i draw a room when i establish the perspective and begin to add details to a space um you know i'm I'm there that's where I'm at you know like the the it's kind of like v r in a way like mm-hmm. the the room around me just becomes like uh incidental yeah uh and yeah like uh that time you spend in those places can be depressing or it can be invigorating yeah uh like yeah like it's it's funny like the times where I've felt the worst and like the projects went less than good it was always when the material was was bleak or uh sad or yeah. or, or like apocalyptic interesting but, yeah it, i don't know like i, I mean I, I don't know if there's like a real relationship there between content and and mindset but i know that my personal experience is 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 that you know like if it's cool and it's fun and it's going well, I'm happy. The work is better. It gets done faster. You know, uh, the people that I'm working with are happier, uh, you know, and then everything stays good. But then I've had the opposite where it's like, oh, I hate this. And people are like getting frustrated with me because like either I'm not getting it done fast enough, uh, like my stuff always looks good, like i mean i'll go ahead and say it like my stuff always looks good at least what i let people see what goes out you know they don't see all the stuff that i trash sure they don't see the times where like you know i completely just you know delete a whole layer of of drawing you know like I now you know it used to be i'd erase it but now you know i i I, you know build digitally so you know like i'll have a sketch layer and like if something doesn't look good i just straight cut it it goes away like even if i spent a long time on it like i'll have wasted that time and it's like i don't don't care like i'd rather it go away and i get a a do-over on whatever it is whether it's a face or a you know a, a background a car whatever you know like whatever it is like i want the best the best version i'm capable of making to be what makes it into the cut so like you know like I'll look at a a published piece of work, and I'll rarely be like, oh, you know, I didn't I didn't like do like the best job there. Like, I I rarely will like like I'll be like, oh, I'm a better artist now, you know, or I'm more experienced now, or I'm operating in a in a mode that suits me better, and so like mm-hmm. it's just cooler, better stuff. But like, you know, I never go like, ah, oh, I wish I, I wish that wasn't printed. I wish, you know, that was better. Because yeah. you know, like you're usually seeing the third, second, third try, whatever it is, you know, for me, typically. Uh, that's a little better now. I mean, I think, like, so my methods now are, are, are like, a little more um, sustainable. So I, I think I am, like, getting a little closer to, like, true expression, like, one time. Mm-hmm. You know, one time goes well. Uh, but then also just, like, the way I'm doing stuff now with 3D, I can see things from multiple you know, vantage points before I commit to Mm. shooting it, you know, and, and, you know, doing it up, doing it up in Photoshop for the final. Um, uh, yeah.
1: Yep. Cool. Uh, how did you get into illustrating? Did you draw a lot when you were a kid or?
0: Uh, well, yeah, I did like constantly. I'm an only child. Uh, and, uh, like, I mean, I wouldn't say I had, like, a lonely or unhappy childhood, but I definitely, like, like, was never far from, my thing was I'd have a clipboard with, like, a bunch of sheets of uh, printer paper just under the clipboard, and I would just, you know, stick a, stick a pencil and an eraser, you know, up in the clipboard, and that was kind of, kind of, like, all I needed. Uh, I always drew, I was really, in, when I was, like, young, uh, kind of all the way up to high school age, I was really into, like, very realistic pencil, like full tonal pencil rendering, Hmm. you know, like I didn't, I didn't have any experience with what you'd consider the inked line Mm -hmm. or even the line based approach that is kind of like what comics is, you know, but I was very much into like fully drawing, fully rendering, like shading, you know, down to like the, the absolute, you know, detail. Uh, I really liked, um, like having a full range of pencils, you know? Like I had all the like the 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 B's and the H's, you know? Hmm. Uh and yeah, I just really liked like doing a lot of that. Um so yeah, I always drew. I always drew like my whole life. Um I uh I wanted I okay, so like I liked vi- I liked comics when I was a kid, but I stopped reading comics like in high school. Like there wasn't a comic shop near me in high school. Uh there wasn't really like anyone to vibe vibe with about comics uh so i played more video games and this is we're talking like the ps1 ps2 era Mm -hmm. so like video games were just starting to to be
1: what kind of games were you playing
0: oh well like okay so you know final fantasy 7 for sure that was like a big one yeah uh and you know i really liked the the wipeout um just the racing game on Mm -hmm. the 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 sony playstation but i i I was pretty much hungry for like anything i could get my hands on so i'd play like you know pretty much any any ps1 and i guess yeah eventually ps2 for talking about my high school years a game that i could get my hands on you know i'd rent them a lot like uh just you know just to play them my big thing is i liked seeing like kind of what a fully realized you know even if it was sort of crude at the time what a 3d environment kind of world was like so i i I wanted to do games more than i wanted to do comics but games were kind of out of my reach because i didn't have computer really access or knowledge until i already got to school and i was already studying illustration Mm. Uh, i just knew i wanted to like get out of my you know small town in Georgia and, and, you know, go down to SCAD and just like peace out and like, you know, get to work on something new. <laughs> and so I I went for comics because like it, th- there was more of an immediate like connection to it that I could just sort of access. So I was like, I could just, you know, pick up a piece of paper, pick up a pencil, grab a ruler, make some panels and, and start to try to like, you know, understand this thing but of course like at that point you're totally naive like there's so much you know to the actual like craft that sure, you, know, yeah. you you have no no awareness of. You're like oh, I like to draw but then you're like okay well this is actually like like a very arcane <laughs> like esoteric craft, you know, that's been you know thoroughly mined by a lot of you know very knowledgeable masters and like if you're going to like have any chance of of participating in this you got to like Get, get real serious real yeah. quick. <laughs> but, you know, like, I, I, I'm glad I didn't study... Uh, back then it was, you know, computer art, you know, computer art was the major. Uh-huh. So if you wanted to get into games, if you wanted to get into, like, modeling, rendering, anything like that, it was, you would be a computer art major. Um, but at the time, you know, 99, like, the technology wasn't there. It wasn't, like, accessible. Like, we're talking about, like, people you know like overnight rendering like like sleeping under a desk overnight rendering a thing that's like mini- like a minuscule thing like yeah. a, you know a one image or like a 2 second long animation or something you know take like 24 36 hours of like like super powerful rendering time for the technology of the time uh and so i just like i didn't i didn't have the the patience or the technical know-how To pursue that. But now, though, I mean, just on my, you know, on a Mac laptop with SketchUp, ZBrush, Daz, you know, all this commercial and software, I can do, you know, more now than I could have ever done then. So I feel like it was good because I, I, I put all my, you know, stat points into composition, storytelling you know, uh, the, the real like nuts and bolts of what makes a comic book artist. Um, and then, you know, after I'd, you know, pulled out a brush, (laughs) dipped it in ink and drawn some comics, you know, uh, I was able to start to slowly introduce more and more 3d and now more and more sophisticated 3d. And now it's entirely 3d and it still looks like a comic because I, I, I learned first what makes a comic
1: was your is your tendency to create that way in like the 3d kind of environments and everything is that uh influenced by your passion for video games
0: i would say yeah uh well and weirdly enough
1: uh or did that interest like affect your style or like content that you do I,
0: i was open to using it at the first juncture that it became like really available to me so like
1: did people accept it quickly or or no, did people turn it No, they still they still don't. But, yeah.
0: It, it, yeah, I mean that's a whole other you know, ta- <laughs> <laughs> comics are very you know, they're very esoteric. Uh there's there's very much a preoccupation with the right, you know, the the like what is right orthodoxy, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Uh and that's because we 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 very much lionize our elders and we very much uh like build a lot of our fundamentals on like these very like singular people, you know, Will Eisner, Jack Kirby and and you know, the, all these great, you know, great fundamental people that like you you begin to learn about day one, you know. They become like your your ancestors, you know. You become like a a a great grandchild of this person or that, you know. Uh, and and you, in a way, you're signing up for their school of kung fu, you know. <laughs> and you know, you're you're taking their their style forward. Mm. Um, and so there is this this idea that like, okay, if it's good enough, like, okay, if 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 Jack Kirby can sit down and draw Galactus with you know a pencil and a brush, like, then that's what you're gonna do, fucker, <laughs> you know. And like, there's not really like a lot of uh incentive within kind of the creative cohort to like do things differently yeah and uh i like even back in school so before i ever even touched 3d i was way into like photoshop so like so like say i had a friend like a comparable friend like a you know a peer Mm -hmm. at the time in school uh and they would say focus they would focus on maybe doing a very good very well composed like black and white page with like a lot of ink on it really good balance of you know blacks and whites and shadow and mood but I was like I'm gonna scan I'm gonna scan this stuff and I'm gonna open in photoshop and whether I know what I'm doing or not at this point I'm just gonna start coloring you know I'm gonna start painting coloring texture you know like at, I I wanted to add more atmosphere through digital mm. process. Mm-hmm. So like you know even like year one in school I everything I started I started scanning everything you know and I don't even have a scanner now because I'm doing everything digitally. Yeah. But like uh, to me a, th- a a piece of art wasn't in play until it was scanned and it was a file on your computer everything else was just a sketch it was a a loose piece of paper you know in a stack Hmm. of loose pieces of paper and so essentially by by coloring stuff and then you know adding text and adding design elements I started to get a real feel for kind of what kind of vibe I was gonna promote you know what kind of thing I was gonna push yeah And and it ended up being more often than not Kind of experimental, kind of weird, uh, and kind of controversial. You know, and like, uh, like, you know, I don't know. I I'm a I'm a bit rebellious. Like, I like things that have come before, but I don't like. I don't need to stick to it. Out yeah, of you don't like, feel constrained by them. Yeah, I don't feel constrained by it. Yeah, or duty bound, or or mm-hmm. anything. You know, and like that. That's cost me relationships. You know, I have like guys that I admire who probably would just outright dismiss me, you know, cause of like my methods or whatever. <laughs> but that, that's, that's changing now. You know, it's not as bad as it used to yeah, be. Yeah, Sure. There was kind of like a, like a, like a, a, a mid aughts kind of like, uh, call you know, kind of a, 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 a roll call mm-hmm. as to like, okay, what's real, what's pure. And a lot of people, also, keep in mind, Facebook era, you know, a lot of people opining on, like, like okay, if you use this, it's a crutch. If you use this, it's a cheat.
1: Sure, yeah. And that's
0: cheating, 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 you know. Like, well, there are no rules, dude. Do you like, think that's there's an I element
1: think. of just, like, protectionism in that? Yeah, well, for, yeah. For, like, well, well, TV killed the radio star kind of thing?
0: Well, right, because, well, they... they, There's a.
1: Like, I a, don't want to have to learn how to use computers right
0: well there's there's a desire to protect the uniqueness and then any any idea that the art form could be more accessible or or democratized through like you know newer broader methods Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that that would then you know lessen the 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 specialness the uniqueness of of you know uh the efforts of like a a you know an artist uh you know we're all we're all pretty obsessed with like style and having a, well, there, you know, there's some people who their ticket to success is they emulate another style. And then that becomes something that they do to get work. You know, Oh, I, I'm, if you can't get this guy, you can get me, you know, but then there are other people who are obsessed with having, you know, a standout singular style, like that can't necessarily be replicated. Yeah. And I found that the best way for me to achieve, not just like the organic style that I might want, or or to to kind of be aspirational with my stuff, but like the best way for me to go about that was to use new stuff, new mm-hmm. software, new methods. Like I was I was one of the first people to embrace all digital inking. Like there's a software called uh, it's now called Clip Studio Paint, uh, but it was called Manga Studio, and like I got like a free beta of that in like two thousand six and like in two thousand seven like I had work published that was all digital drawn on a Intuos hmm. you know, a, a Wacom Intuos tablet with a laptop, you know, just kinda no frills, just nothing fancy, uh, but fully digital, you know, like no paper page whatsoever, no scanning. Uh and as soon like that first time I was like, Oh man, I got a whole page done. I didn't have to scan anything. I didn't have to like uh you know, deal with inking and like, you know, the mess of that, like, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, a- and I'm, I'm getting a, cons- a consistent look now. I'm, I have more control over the look because I'm, you know, I- I'm able to exercise what you can, what you'd call like consistency, you know, like wet media. So, you know, brushes, mm. markers, ink, like I-, I was always into the very finest minutia of that. So, like, if you if you were to, like, catch me in 2006 before I started doing everything digital and you asked me to, like, roll out my supplies out of, like, you know, my case or whatever, you know, you'd see, like, okay, well, here's my uh, Japanese cartridge nylon bristled brush pen. And then here's my, uh, you know, pump-action fillable uh, hollow-bodied brush pen that I fill with Higgins ink or whatever. And then here's my couple of chisel tip markers. Here's an ugly old brush that I like gave a haircut with scissors to get the right little edgy edge, you know, or to get the nice like little raked look or something. And then it's like, oh, okay, well, am I using Windsor Newton super black or am I using Higgins? What paper am I on? There were all of these like variables that I was obsessed with, you know? And, and And it was a sort of a thing where like, if I didn't have all my magic, stuff like I wasn't producing the stuff I wanted I wasn't getting the look I wanted yeah. eventually I settled on uh, and the I'd say you know pre-digital my best stuff it was just uh, printer paper like thin printer paper 11 by 17 size uh, that soaked up ink a lot with uh, a cartridge br- Japanese brush pen like a Pentel pen or a Kuretake pen and, and I got this really good kind of new look by doing this cheap thing that's soaked in the ink a lot and I could do a lot of broken you know kind of broken line kind of textural stuff mm. and super super fine right on like the absolute like one hair edge of the thing you know I could do both I could essentially with one tool on one type of paper I could go like as fine as you could possibly get it razors thin or I could just drag that thing on the side and just go and just do a big chunky black uh, But you know like uh, The downside was, of that is you know you, you can't pile a lot of Ink onto thin paper mm-hmm. So I was kind of sparing about how I'd do it But then you know like uh, You scan it up the levels And like it all becomes dark black Anyway you know but then there's there's People who like to work On like the thickest board Like absolute you know custom Cut board from like a big sheet of you know, cold press you know, uh, paper, and you know you got to have the blackest like, like <laughs> like octopus ink you know yeah. from like the Marianas <laughs> Trench like <laughs> aged in a barrel like underground you know like uh, sprinkled with some coal dust like you just got to have the darkest dark 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 black, and if it doesn't like look perfectly like midnight black smooth on the sheet of of actual physical paper you know then you're you you know you're doing it wrong. Uh, but you know, like I, I was still like, even when I was doing things, uh, uh, with traditional media, I was still, once I scanned things in still like fixing a lot, still, you know, scaling things and cutting things. And, you know, I might, I might just, you know, redraw a face digitally once the, the page was scanned, Mm. you know? And so once I started seeing that there was a lot of discrepancies in like what my final printed stuff looked like from like the observable like physical 11 by 17 Mm -hmm, page of mm -hmm. comic art i was like okay well you know i knew i was kind of already on my way to as much as much digital as i could get that was going to be kind of where i was landing so after a while as soon as i could start using manga studio to completely ink a page totally uh, you know in in monitor in Mm -hmm. screen uh I just ceased having pages, you know, uh, physical pages and you know, I haven't really looked back.
1: Nice. Uh, so your most recent, uh, work, the dark, um, well, what, w- what was that project? Yeah. How did it <laughs> come about?
0: So it's hands down my favorite thing I've ever worked on and it's hands down the best experience I- I've ever had working with publisher, writer, Uh, Yeah, like, I mean, not to, like, knock everything that came before, but, like, I was truly happy working on this one, even when it got, you know, hard. Like, and by hard, I mean just a lot of mileage, a lot of art to produce. Mm -hmm. It never got dispiriting. Uh, So what it is, it's it's a self-contained graphic novel, uh, 120 pages. Um, It's written by Mark Sable drawn by me uh colored by uh, a very dear old friend of mine and a former mentor uh all around great dude lee lowrich and then lettered by thomas Maurer, who's a great uh kind of one of the premier letterers in comics so it's a it's like a straight four-person team uh and we had like a great editorial team um i got maybe i would say more support editorially on this project than i ever got before as in, like, I, I had someone always, like, to talk to directly, like, whenever I needed to, you know? And we had, like, you know, it sounds pretty basic, but we'd have, like, weekly, you know, scheduled phone conferences and stuff, which really, like, before that, I, I'd, I'd always felt a little, like, floating loose, you know? Mm-hmm. Sort of floating free. Uh, not necessarily, like, in a, in a tight ship, but this one, like, was tight but fun. Uh, so it's very much like in a cyberpunk and mark uh mark sable the writer he he kind of like uh he uses the term biopunk you know it's sort of like if we're talking like a sub sub genre uh uh you know near near future uh kind of theory heavy futurism heavy book about essentially like a post blackout recovery you know like so post grid power Mm. uh kind of post calamity uh american uh kind of state-to-state spy adventure with like heavy military and cyberpunk and and biopunk themes um so kind of the hook or at least like the world building hook was that um there was going to be a biological component for infrastructure decentralized infrastructure essentially so say the power grid gets you know fried by a a a a, a russian virus you know like it does and in, in, that's the kind of the preamble setup for this story um so years on like how would you implement a new way of life for the people you know still still around we didn't get into too much of like the 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 back lore you know it's pretty much like we drop you right into like uh you know salt lake city 2045 there are uh you know bioluminescent uh you know fungus and coral you know intertwined with building structures like so like take a take an old shelled out apartment building with like all the windows knocked out but basically like grow like a crystalline you know bioluminescent power conducting you know fungus uh encasing a building you know to 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 create like a a new uh ki- a new type of shelter slash you know power apparatus um so that that's kind of what the like atmospheric trappings are uh initially is you have kind of a a brave new world of of uh of weird biotechnology and then like biomedical technology so people are fully engaging in, like, a transhumanist mode. Mm. So the two main characters of of the book, they're sort of like uh, two protagonists. Uh, One is a soldier kind of chasing a spy, uh, and then they sort of, like, you know, once they kind of intersect, they become kind of a a team, you know, or a couple. Whichever way you really want to look at it, that's a little vague. Uh, I wanted them to totally bone um, but but I, it didn't quite happen on screen. In my mind, it happened off screen. Um, so you have the the guy who's a, 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 a an injured, traumatized soldier who basically lost his eyes in the battlefield. But he has bioorganic replacement eyes um, that are essentially U.S. government property. Hmm. So he's kind of on the hook to do some jobs to pay off his eyes, essentially, uh, and he's got a. A a a dog, uh, kind of a like a like a synthetic dog mm-hmm. that has you know some sort of biotechnological capabilities too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you have this blind man with vat grown eyes, and he's got a dog that's basically a second sensorium slash man's best friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of doing like tracking. Fugitive tracking essentially is like a big, you know, plot element. It's got sort of a western vibe too. Like when they get out of the cities and you're kind of out, like they go through Texas, mm. which is very much like uh, opposed to biotechnology and any sort of biomedical. Sort of like a uh, picture, like a like a late eighteen hundreds kind of Texas. You know, uh, kind of brought back to that level, kind mm. of kind of cowboy era. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so so there's like a, a, a real like military aesthetic, and then this transhuman aesthetic. You know, there's like, you know, bio biohacker raves. So there's like all these cool visuals in it that are like really interesting and meaty, and like I had a lot of fun, you know, designing all this stuff. The other the other character, basically the the quarry, the spy that the the, the main guy's hunting, uh, is a is a transgender uh, transhumanist like biohacking punk, you know, who, uh, basically has like a, 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 a major information cache. Uh, and then there's like a crazy, uh, kind of a, 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 crazy rich bond villain guy over in Europe who's sort of manipulating, uh, a lot of the events that, that we see in our story. So we've kind of got this, uh, Ozymandias like kind of like, uh, big bad kind of pulling a lot of strings. Uh, it, it was just a very fun, very interesting book. And like, I had a lot of like creative leeway as far as like what it was going to be from the very, from the very beginning, you know, from the very outset. Uh, and I knew, uh, the last, the last big project that I worked on before the dark, uh, I had done all of my backgrounds, 3d, uh, in SketchUp and 3D Studio Max and all the vehicles were, were 3D assets so like every time you saw a boat, a helicopter, a car uh, and then even like like the guns in people's hands like I would I would like kind of use the 3D asset of the gun but I would sketch the person in you know around it mm-hmm. holding, holding the gun etc um, but for this one I wanted the people to be 3D too uh, so now not only would I be making a three d environment and then drawing my people in like an animation cell, uh I was going to have actual like three d assets of characters down to like the clothes they're wearing and the shoes on their feet and you know their 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 gear their guns you know like so so the girl rides a bike okay so like I knew okay now I have a bike but I'm gonna actually have a character that's sitting on that bike riding that bike and it's gonna be the girl in the book and it's what she's gonna look like so I came up with the actual working method that I used for the book to get the characters done like about a week before we actually started shooting hmm. like I, I I did a test person like I kind of had the right software Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I got a guy in my software. It looks pretty good. Um, okay, good. I, I figured out how to put some clothes on and put put boots on the feet, et cetera, You know. And so, like for the for the cover, like the publisher was like, okay, well, we need a cover for like you know our internal purposes. So you know, I didn't have any pages done yet. We hadn't. I didn't even have a script yet. They're like, okay, do a cover, do a cover. And so, uh, I, like. The very first people that I did three d I did for that cover. There's just two people on the cover, but I pulled it off and I was like i I can do this. I can have the people be three d assets too um and the weird thing is that through the mess through the methods I'm using, it looks enough like my like my stuff that it, it's like a pretty good it's a pretty good, like, uh, approximation, you know? It's not like, oh, now I've got this radically different, like, wacky 3D look that mm-hmm. doesn't blend. It's like, no, like, b- because I, you know, like, had have an aesthetic that I'm already trying to kind of, like, do to push. Yeah. Now I have these new methods to sort of, like, work, you know, work that into. um, And so, yeah, like, I got the high contrast line you know, clean look that I aspire to get in the comic, but now through a 3d asset based, uh, you know, approach. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I started making characters. So it was like, as soon as a character would show up in the script. So say, I say, I turn to page 14 and our hero meets a new guy. He's got to get some information from, so, all right, that's a, it's a new character. It's a new guy. So I figured out a way to essentially as new characters appear sequentially in the script to make a new one either I would kind of like break a new design off of kind of a previous design or I'd start with a zeroed out just base mannequin figure Hmm. uh and you know it's not too far like you know I I have to I have to kind of watch that I don't like give away my whole game you know but I can say and I've said this to people in, in in my field you know like it's a lot like a very sophisticated, very customizable version of like a character creator in a game. Mm. Like if you've ever played like a fallout game or like a GTA, GTA online, red dead online, you know, where you, you, when you like make your character, uh, you know, I'm essentially doing that. And once I make a character satisfactorily, uh, they're saved. They're, they're now in my library. Uh, and they're ready for me to to use any way that that I I need to. So I mean, I meticulously pose and meticulously shoot each instance, each drawing, quote unquote drawing. So you know, I have been kind of struggling like with what to call, you know, how how to like appropriately talk about this. But I, I I've kind of come to the idea that what I'm doing is a form of three D drawing. It's not necessarily that I'm modeling like like in the true polygonal modeling sense, yeah. but I'm outputting art drawings from a three D source. So I've been I've been you know playing with calling it just three D drawing. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, each instance of a character that you see in a panel on a page has been through a process from zero so zero being a zeroed out figure standing there in a in a void you know with feet together and arms out at the side so say i've already designed that character and everything looks like how i want it to look the cheekbones the whatever the the eyes nose mouth you know it all looks like what i want it to look like uh then it's a process of reading my script assessing like what the like you know quickest storytelling is you know i do my sketches first you know so i do my basically my napkin sketches for each page and then i look at those sketches and i try to act that out with those 3d guys Mm -hmm. so are they are they running are they walking are they sitting are they driving so it's like i have these sort of broad categories that i work in uh and i kind of have you know. I've preloaded things, presets, I have scripts and things that I can, you know, work with. I have, you know, every time you make a pose, you can save it and employ it again later on another figure. You know, every time you code a, a piece of clothing to a figure, you know, you can code that as a standalone asset. So now say, say I have to have five guys wearing the same uniform, you know, I can essentially just make bang out five guys and then just essentially like load the same, you know, outfit onto them. But what I what I ended up doing was like for primary cast, principal cast, you know, so like your what would be your named build, you know, stars in the in the story, mm-hmm. uh, they get uh you know a couple outfits. So you got say so you got your soldier guy, you got him in full full tactical gear, you know, full like Metal Gear Solid mode, you know, mm-hmm. and then you got him, you know, in a tank top in jeans with sneakers, you know, when he's, like, driving a Jeep around with with glasses on, you know, with, like, sunglasses on. Uh, So, like, I just do a few variations of each. So the girl character was interesting because she had, like, she had, like, uh, her crazy, like, biohacker, like, kind of, like, uh, you know, hacker suit thing that looked like a weird, crazy, like, robotic wetsuit. And then she had, like, her riding her uh, bicycle to work outfit which had like a you know little little bicycle helmet and like a vest and you know just yeah. looked like a bike commuter mm-hmm. or like kind of a you know really like s- sexy version of a bike commuter you know uh and yeah you know it's just like okay boots or sneakers glasses or goggles uh hat or helmet you know like yeah, yeah. just a lot of those types of choices early on make the characters and kind of the more you bank the more you've got to work with um so like right now I'm working on my next project which you know isn't isn't official yet or announced but it, like is
1: this the project influenced by the 2012 southwestern research trip?
0: Yes, it is. Okay. But I I essentially spent this summer just working on character designs and banking them. You know, so like I like I was making like on the dark I was making a cast you know as I went as I turned the page on the script and see you know kind of like who shows up in each page. Uh, But I'm doing things differently this time as in like, before there's even a script, I've established the limited cast. So everyone that's going to be in the book, even generic people like background scientists and soldiers and stuff like that, just kind of extras, they're all there. They're all done. Um, So now with a limited cast established and extras, you know, allocated, you know every single weapon, every single outfit, uh, and I and I did hairstyles on this one too. Uh, so like uh, I I learned how to model hair for each character for this one too, so I wouldn't have to be like because on the dark I was drawing in hair, mm. like like I'd have these totally modeled out, totally dressed, like completely like done guys. Mm-hmm. But uh, the page would be totally done, but they'd be Just everyone be would be bald. <laughs> yeah, so then I, the last thing I would do before I'd send the page out is I would go through and I would like mask and draw the hair on each person from like top of the page to the bottom of the page. Uh, but so yeah, now I got my hair problem solved. So it's, it's stuff like that. It's like incremental things like that. Yeah. That I'm finding are like, what is like, uh, like my things moving forward that kind of keep me like super occupied. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to do hair on this one. (laughs)
1: That's fascinating. So what was, What's the story behind the trip and how did that lead to the genesis of this, uh, current idea?
0: So, so I have a project that I, that I don't talk about. Like it's my, uh, all right. Have you, uh, have you seen, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood? I have not. Okay. Well, in once upon a time in Hollywood, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, uh, a guy comes up to him and starts talking about this role that he didn't get. And it's a role that Steve McQueen got, and I think like uh, I don't know the 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 Great Escape. I, I don't know. It's, it's a classic war movie. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the guy asks Leonardo DiCaprio's character about it, the camera goes to a close up of DiCaprio's face, and his eyes just like turning to like like steel. And then there's this one like cello note, like. <laughs> <laughs> you know so i have a pro- i have a thing like that and it and it was in 2012 and uh it's all kind of worked out since but like at the time it was like it was i was coming off a really we'll just say a really bad summer 2012 so in june 2012 i get in i get a a, a random email from someone i'd never met inviting me to be an artist in residence on a research trip uh through a college, through uh, the Architectural Association of London, which is like Correct. a very prestigious, very exclusive uh, you know old uh, you know just a great uh, very progressive architecture school, uh, you know right right in right in downtown London. Uh, so this guy Liam, Liam Young's his name and he's he's just a, a really just like a, a great dude. I mean like I, I don't know if anyone else is doing the kind of things he's doing out there as far as like education you know, doing these like trips. Uh, so he, he has this thing, which is the unit that he founded at the AA, you know, uh, in the English system, you know, your units are like a big thing and the units you get into, uh, you basically get into like a, a house, you know, like a, like a, a, a special, a special sub, uh, uh, like group you know within your school, uh, and so his his thing is called Unknown Fields Division, along with his part of uh, his uh teaching partner kate davies um, and they're they 're both like equally dynamic uh just equally cool, like the stuff that they 've like studied and and immersed themselves in is like all over the world, so like uh twenty twelve the trip was American Southwest so it 's just called the twenty twelve Unknown Fields Division Southwest trip, and there were about a a total of, uh, I think, 26, 27 participants, uh, a mix of students and working, uh, I guess you'd say, like, artists, working artists, artists Mm -hmm. artists-in-residence, so I was an artist-in-residence on this, so uh, we all met in Albuquerque, so a bunch of them flew over from the UK. Uh,
1: And how long is this trip?
0: It was a month. Okay. It was like exactly thir- it was like exactly thirty one days, <laughs> uh. So I I drove from Dallas to Albuquerque, not knowing anyone. Like I I basically like like geared up and packed for like camping, you know, because mm-hmm. we we were gonna be doing some camping and staying in motels, but we were also gonna go to dun dun, dun We were gonna go to Burning Man. Okay. So you got to be prepared, you know, for the burn. Mm-hmm. So I I basically like like geared up packed up like i'm going on the longest craziest camping trip like you could imagine which is kind of what it ended up being and it was it was epic it was grand so we started in albuquerque and we ended up in san francisco 26 days later uh and we went to uh white sands um the boneyard which is the you know the uh uh airplane graveyard in Arizona. We went to area 51. We went to the, you know, the extraterrestrial highway going through Nevada. We went to, uh, Sedona, Arizona. Uh, we went to Biosphere 2, stayed at Biosphere 2. <laughs> uh, we went to, uh, uh, Kirtland Air Force Base, uh, and kind of got like, you know, kind of some behind the scenes, Uh, you know, military tour there. Uh, We went to uh, a decommissioned nuclear Titan missile silo and got to, like, go all deep in the, like, bowels of that thing. Uh, So so what the theme was, was on the right-hand side, you had military and, like, kind of, you know, government... Uh, uh this is this is hard I I I always kind of struggle for the the wording but okay you had government black sites and UFO stuff on one side mm-hmm. and then you had utopian communities mm-hmm. and intentional communities on the other Yeah so we went to two classifications of places we went to military weirdness and like UFO cover mm-hmm. up stuff Roswell you know Yeah uh and then we went like when we want to turn you know, way left, way far off of the highway, you know, we'd go to Biosphere 2 or Arcasanti. Arcasanti is a really gorgeous place. Like, I really recommend anyone who's, like, in Arizona, go check out Arcasanti. Mm. Uh, And that's an intentional community that was uh, founded by an architect named Paolo Soleri. And we were some of the last people that got to talk to him before he died, like, way into his late 90s. Uh, And so what he was trying to do out there was build an arcology, which is, yeah, you know, and that's kind of the, like, like, Biosphere 2, that is sort of an example of, uh, an enclosed habitat, which could be considered in arcology, mm-hmm. a self-sustaining system. Yeah. An enclosed city, mm. you know, where, uh, all resources are, are sort of, uh, um, you know, used in the, in circulation and in balance within, you know, within this, like, isolated, limited kind of place. Um, you know, not easy to get to, uh, not easy to stay at, but you know, like, uh, you have to subscribe to like the way of life when you were there, yeah. you have to deal with what you have sort of like why I got thinking about space a lot. Cause I was like, okay, well, this is like what it would be like to remove yourself from earth and sure. go to space yeah. would be to be in this like intentional mode of, of living. And so between the you know the high strangeness all the ufo phenomenon stuff that we were studying and i mean we even went to sedona and like met with a like a like a guru who's like telling us about the you know the power vortexes in sedona you know like like we really touched a lot of uh a lot of different subjects and we we got to meet with a lot of different people and and do interviews like we met with a man uh I don't know I don't know if I really want to say his name but he he's got books published on the subject of UFOs and he's formerly he's he's military uh and he is you know uh someone who knows you know a lot about what you know we're not supposed to know about <laughs> mm-hmm. about like what the military knows about UFOs yeah um and so we got a lot of this like inside dirt from a lot of these people. But for for me, it was all just kind of going in the hopper of like, what is inspiration? And mm-hmm. meanwhile, you know, when you're standing out in the desert and there's a weird building over here and a whole bunch of nothing over there and a big stretch of sky and like, oh, yeah, well, that's where they saw this thing. And like, that's the mountain that the trucks drive into and don't come out, you know? Mm-hmm. Talking about like, you know, underground installations. Yeah. You know, there's this thing <laughs> called, there's this thing called DOMS, uh, which is like, Deep underground military base, I think. So, like, there's people that theorize it's, you know, theorized that like all throughout the American Southwest, there's advanced networks of underground facilities, and that there's huge, like, infrastructural stuff going on underground. And you know, there there's you know documentation of like uh, nuclear tunnel boring machines, you know, being used, and you know, possibly from from basically New Mexico to California you've got, uh, you know, thousands of miles of underground, you know, facility. Uh, and so, you know, thinking like that, like, you know, what's above us, what's under our feet, you know, it's just this land of mystery. Yeah. And so what we were kind of exploring and learning about and, and, and talking about and accessing was, you know, where myth and the landscape meet mm-hmm. and where mi- misinformation and discovery meet, yeah. you know, uh, you know, do they want, does, do they, but, you know, does, uh, is it better for people to think there's UFOs rather than experimental aircraft? You know, like there is this, you know, idea of like, what is true and what is a lie. And that landscape of, of the desert really does sort of like leave you there to wonder, you know? Uh, and you know, even just put, even just like the visual, majesty of some of these places we yeah, went to. Absolutely. Like like when you stand up at the top of like a ridge and you look down and you see biosphere at sunset, you know, like that's crazy. Mm. And when you go, you know, you can go down into these tunnels, you know, beneath uh biosphere and you get to this thing. So imagine going down like a kind of a typical service corridor, but it's a little more spacey, a little more like pipes and mm. weird, you know, kind of more sci fi. But imagine you're just like walking down that you get to a weird triangular hatch, you know, guy opens it, you go through, and now you're in a thing called the lung, which is, you know, a, 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 a semi-sphere, okay, bigger than, like, any room you've ever been in your life, uh, with, like, a weird super cool pool of water in the middle, and, like, it's basically a giant air conditioner for, you know, biosphere, and you're like i'm standing in like the weirdest room i've ever been in it's it's super crazy like it feels weird it feels different you know like this is special stuff you know and like we went to the very large array and like when you're sitting there you know uh you know sitting sitting in the dirt with your friends like drinking beers smoking cigarettes but you're looking at like 45 you know <laughs> giant <laughs> you know multimillion dollar dishes all pointing up in space to like literally chart the universe you're like oh like this is crazy this is like there's some super energy going on here this is intense and uh so like I don't know man my my like I needed to go on something like that it was for me like a major vision quest journey and a major sort of like turning point in my life and it came right at the right time after this you know big crash and burn burnout bummer yeah you know and i was like okay this 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 could be the thing that sustains me through the next you know phase of my creative life
1: so how did those experience how did those experiences turn into an idea and what is this uh current project
0: it, 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 it you know and this kind of goes back to the to the genius of the organizers uh kate and liam we each when we showed up every single one of us including them got um Like a manila envelope with like a little like here here's your starter, you know, here's your starter pack. Mm -hmm. And it had our itinerary, and it had, you know, just like kind of information we needed to know, uh, just kind of all the pertinence. Uh, but inside was um a military uh a military name tag, exactly like the ones that soldiers sew onto their uniforms. Mm -hmm. Uh and they had been pulled more or less at random out of a uh Military surplus store out of a bin. Okay. You know, because they, they mulch, they either mulch or resell all the suits. Yeah, sure. So, you know, you can go into a military supply store and find like a a trunk full of name tags, you know. Hmm. So we each had a name tag and it was uh, one for each letter of the alphabet. So A to Z. So each one started with a different letter. And so that sort of became like, you know, like the idea of a trail name mm-hmm. or like a yeah. burner name, you know, yeah. this sort of became like our little signifiers, like our, our trail names, so to speak. Uh, and so that put me in the frame of mind that each of us is a character existing out of our own, you know, uh, framework of, of our like mundane life. And, you know, we're, we're literally driving from weird place to weird place in a school bus. And I was like, okay, well, the school bus is an analogy for it's analogous to a ship, you know, we might as well just be in space we might as well be going from planet to planet, outpost to outpost, you know, and, and for all intents and purposes, we are, you know, we are sailors or spacefarers. And so just thinking about that, kind of watching the, the, you know, desert go by for a month and, you know, stepping out from one weird over the top place, you know, to another, uh, I was just sort of engaged from the very start in the A friend of mine who who's like a kind of a futurist and a philosopher who was on that trip he uh he told me was we you know we talked a lot about all all this different stuff while we were out there around the campfire and stuff but he told me about uh the the act of uh auto mythography which is kind of like what the beats you know did which is we're we're you know we're sailors (laughs) we're on a quest and we are the characters that we are like you know writing for ourselves. Mm. It's, it's, I mean, to me, that's kind of like a that's like a like a pretty far out like hippie idea, but it like goes perfectly with like what creatively I do kind of with the creative process of comics, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like to to access characters, to access places, to access you know a contained universe of myth. Like, essentially, I had everything I needed throughout this process, this trip, to begin to kind of cobble together a whole new thing. And, I mean, like, it's been it's been gestating for a long time, but it's, like, uh, kind of f- happening now.
1: Very cool. So, do as many people read comic books now as in the past, and has their, like, kind of place in our culture changed since you got into them as a kid?
0: Uh, I well, like uh, it was it was niche when I was a kid, and I still think it's niche. I I don't know, you know, even even necessarily with like all the, the the cultural penetration, uh, pun intended. <laughs> uh, but you know, like just with how how much uh awareness uh in the culture there is of like comics now more than ever. You know, when I was a kid, like. The thought of a Spider Man movie, or like a wol- a Wolverine and a movie, X Men movie, like that was like, at, like a dream and a wish and a hope, you know.
1: Do you, Do you think like how popular like the Marvel movies and DC movies are now has that uh, grown the comic book culture? Like the has it base? Has it diluted it or?
0: Uh, I don't really know. Like I I don't I don't I don't. I don't really keep up with like the industry uh, metrics mm-hmm. so much um, and keep in mind that to to be involved in comics professionally means you're already sort of like uh, initiated and you'll be more likely to to be around initiates mm-hmm. and then when you talk when you talk to people when you tell them about what you do, you know they're more likely to kind of uh, meet you with like their you know touchstone their experience you know like i i just met a guy you know two nights ago who's you know all of a sudden we're talking comics oh we've met in, we we've met in a random place and within 30 seconds we're talking about you know artists from the 70s and 80s and like cool comics that we both like that you know not everyone it's like we might be the only two people in that room that know what we're talking about Mm -hmm. i mean everyone knows about the avengers everyone knows about the x-men you know everyone knows marvel dc I mean, we're, we're at, we're at peak Batman right now. Like, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you you know, there's some stuff that's just, it's completely there and and there's no getting away from it, but yet there's still a degree to which you will need to be initiated to, to really kind of have that, that extra, uh, level of participation. And that's still, to me is like a very small thing. Um, uh, you know kids don't really read comic books it's very much like an adult's thing now Hmm. and like comics aren't necessarily like you know know, there used to be like a lot of talk about the values of comics and preserving comics and that's fine you know people are still selling old comics at auction and fetching like you know really crazy prices for them that's great but like the you know in my kind of like teens and 20s that fell away to more of it being you know not a collector's thing, but a reader's thing. Yeah. Okay. So rather than like I have to collect these things because they're, they're they're signified by this, they're Marvel this, it's a number one that to yeah, crossover yeah. blah 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 blah. Which they, all that stuff still exists. We still have all that, and you know a lot of that stuff is just hype to like you know sell number you know sure boost numbers and uh you know it to it's I mean you know not to be too derogatory but it's it's kind of a uh you know. A little circle jerky you know it's a little <laughs> bit like it's 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 by us for us it's very like it's very like uh internal sure. you know inter- yeah, internal
1: speech inside baseball kind yeah, of stuff
0: very much um but you know i i just i i try i don't really pay as much attention to that as i uh, pay attention to like you know graphic novels and singular works by mm-hmm. people that i that i like or respect or uh you know like their work um i mean you know like the dark was digital first.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh so, you know, the publisher uh is uh is comicsology, which is, you know, essentially it's like the the you know, the quote unquote the Netflix of comics. You know, okay. that's not it's just that's not their, you know, words. Um but they're they're a great organization, a great company. Uh and I'm very excited that, you know, going digital first in a self contained graphic novel uh like I, to me that's just kind of like makes the most sense uh it's sort of the the most you know direct but also sort of freeing way to like produce a brand new thing and get it out there
1: yeah
0: uh without necessarily having to deal with the direct market of comics which is pretty pretty arcane you know it's it's notoriously like weird uh I, you know i've known people Well it's just it's very um well, one, there's a monopoly. You know, it's essentially it's all about, you know, logging in Canada. It's this very like deep, weird, you know, uh capitalist kind of hole. <laughs> and then, you know, you have uh you know, you have essentially what are, you know, IP holders, giant, you know, corporate monoliths now. Essentially, like you know, everything is 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 Legos and <laughs> and you know multi movie deals and yeah. you know so there's just a lot of noise. There's a lot of does you that know, make it
1: harder to get original ideas out there?
0: Uh, no, I don't think it makes it harder. It's just that you're competing with a lot of very established, very well funded stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, like, uh, it, it does add to the like the atmosphere of potential like travel for a project meaning like okay you make an original graphic novel and it's read by this many people digitally and then you know say it gets printed later it sells this many units that's great but what it really is is an an entry into the media you know it's something that could have a potential life beyond its original form yeah uh and i mean you know for people like me that's the hope that we you know make it big sure you you can sell comics you know every month get a paycheck every month from you know work for hire uh and you could make a, a living you know and you could make an okay one if you're fast enough and you produce enough pages and your page rates are good enough and your editors like you enough and you know uh you you just basically don't get trampled or fall off you know you could you could you could make it you know you could mm-hmm. you could make money but really like the potential to you know have a better life <laughs> <laughs> to be successful in comics is that something or some things you do uh get you the exposure get you the exposure in a related field tv film games you know that's kind of that's the new dream you know that's the dream that wasn't what we were thinking about when i was 19 yeah sure and i was like i want to draw comics i wasn't like oh every comic is a potential movie or show yeah but you know uh you know Some of the biggest success stories in entertainment, you know, have their origins in comics, both big and mainstream and independent and small. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's really a thing like where if you are bankable as a comic creator and you have things that are starting to see, you know, whether they just end up in, you know, option pre-development and then nothing, you know you at least have put something into that ecosphere and you know you begin to have a track record of putting things into that ecosphere Yeah. now I mean you can also become you know a professional wallflower you know you can be someone who like everyone in Hollywood reads every book you read but they never dance with you you know right totally yeah and so you know uh, like I know things you know things I've worked on have been you know in heavy consideration uh, have been in one leg of development or another you Mm -hmm. know but i really think that the smarter we get in the way that we uh make present distribute and market comics the closer we're getting to it being a true pipeline you know yeah Uh,
1: yeah that makes sense so on kind of that more you know business visionary side of things have you always had an entrepreneurial spirit i know most of what you've done has been just uh freelance work is that a conscious choice um and do you how do you deal with the the balance of being an artist but dealing with you know marketing yourself and negotiating your deals and stuff like that yeah uh
0: so um i won't do work for hire anymore mm-hmm. uh it never yielded a long lasting or satisfactory result for me so I've decided that I just won't do it uh, even when asked uh, even if it's big I, I just I don't think that that's what's going to sustain me later I think having as many uh, equity stakes and as many original things as I can and kind of playing the numbers there mm-hmm. is, is a better strategy for what for what I want to do. Yeah. So what that does is that instantly precludes me from a lot of what like the work action out there is. Yeah. You know, and like I, you know, I don't audition, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like I will work with a collaborator from zero to make a new thing, and I have done it a bunch of times and I you know, did it recently to like great effect. And that was like, you know, he came to me and we put our heads together and we got together, you know, mm-hmm. but like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going and you know, I'm not just going to be like a feather in a writer's cap, you know? Sure. Uh, like I, you know, I, I'm not, I, you know, I don't audition for writers. Like if they're going to, if they're going to approach me, uh, it's cause they, they see what I do and they like it so much that they, they, they think it's a fit and we do it, you know? Like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have friends, like, I have, I have friends, uh, uh, you know, in every strata of success in the business. I mean, from like the very, very top to, you know, where I'm at, which is somewhere in the middle to, you know, uh, uh, you know, aspirational starting out, whatever, you yeah. know, I, I know all kinds of people. And like, you know, I've had, I've had friends, you know, similar to me who, you know, will be like, okay, I'm working on this thing. Okay, cool. With who? You know, with who being the writer? Okay, oh so and so. And you talk to them like a month later. Hey, you working on that thing? They'd be like, no, because they weren't even aware that they were being auditioned. You know, hmm. that like someone else was putting up the same five pages they were. And I just think that's kind of dirty. And yeah. I just like to me that's like, I I won't even participate in that. You know, hmm. like uh. It's I a pretty don't know. common. Kind of common. It's a kind of a a dick move that you know, like to, it's like, uh, it's like going on five dates at once and being like, well, which one of you lucky people was going to go home (laughs) with me? You know, it's kind of scummy. I just don't like it. And so like, just kind of through being treated every, every which way you can imagine in this business, uh, the older I get, you know, I'm 40 now, like I just have a much clearer idea of what I will participate in and kind of what, because like, for me, like to like, stick my head out and get involved in a project like it that's it, a big deal you know and like I'd, I'd i'd rather uh you know not work than work on the wrong thing sure because like i've found that working on the wrong thing in the past has been it's not just like oh okay cool i did another comic add another you know add another one to the resume it's like oh no when these things don't go wrong don't go right like it, it really messes you up like you will find yourself you know, stepping forward and then getting knocked two steps back, you know. Hmm. And, like, it, it becomes kind of more and more crucial the more, the, you know, the deeper you get, the older you get. That it's like, oh, I I have to be super choosy. And, you know, and then another thing is, like, uh, once I get paid an amount, I will never take less than that going forward. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I mean, I started out making, like, $100 a page. And, like, I make a lot more than that now. But I ne I will never go back, you know, like I will never slide back <laughs> like that has to constantly move forward. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's commensurate with my experience. And then the more, you know, you know, the more and more I make things in this kind of new way, you know, it actually becomes like, you know, a net positive for the entire creative process. You know, like on this last one, you know, like like Mark Sable, the writer, you know, he could see a lot of things pre visualized before I committed them to the page. And then like, you know, we'd be working, you know, and and he'd be like, okay, uh, we're going to go here, 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 and here. And they're going to do this, 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 and this. And I'd be like, okay, well you can have here and here and this and this. Yeah. And I'd show him, you know, like builds sets, you know, whatever. I'd be like, you know, like, you know, this is what you get. I can't make four of these. Like I can make two of these. I can't make four, you know. And it becomes this idea of like I'm I'm now the the, the producer keeping the budget, yeah. Uh, you know, and now the budget being time and page count, you know, like so so like you know, Mark has five great ideas and he's got a lot of great ideas. You know, I'll tell him which, you know, two and a half we can afford. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so kind of working the way I work now, being experienced the way I am now, as opposed to just hand me the script and I'll draw it corner to corner. I'm actually participating and adding, like, a level of complexity and a level of of value mm-hmm. that ultimately like benefits the process and the product. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, makes sense. Uh, how has COVID caused you to evolve or pivot or change the way? Yeah. You're doing so, work? Okay,
0: so so uh, the dark came out on October second, twenty nineteen, and October on October fourth, twenty nineteen, I was at New York Comic Con full ride paid for by the publisher plane hotel meals parties the whole deal living a dream yeah i had really i had uh literally like Comicsology sponsored the artist alley at new york comic-con
1: hmm.
0: and and our table was the first and the biggest table you saw when you came down the wow. escalator so like i and i was with like really great people like like andy diggle one of my heroes is this guy named jock uh, a lot of people know Jock. He's like I think one of the greatest living comic book artists, and like absolutely like one of my favorite people in comics. Total hero. So you know like this year no cons. <laughs> so so like I I had this rad like you know it's taken me a long time to finally have like publishers paying for my flights. Yeah, Publisher, sure. Publishers putting me up in in at the Yotel in Midtown. You know like uh, oh you're already on the list for this party. You know up until this point it's been like. Hey, you're on your own, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it'd be like, Oh yeah. Oh, you're here. Well, okay. Well, you can have an hour signing at the DC booth or whatever, you know, like, way to go kid. Yeah. You know, but like, this was like, okay, you're, you're a part of our strategy. We're marketing you. We, you know, you're participating in our, in our physical outreach and our marketing outreach. We've got all these you know interviews scheduled. So like I had this really smooth, great launch (laughs) book done on time man i got that book done early and like you know how long i've been waiting to get a book done early (laughs) like so i kind of aced one big w and expecting that this year would be like a ride a ride right on through yeah yeah, you know uh but I, i pretty much i did i did five sample pages for for my new project back in february gave them to my publisher uh and then he was basically like, yo, it's cool, I'll get back to you. And then in, like, March, uh, all the comic shops are shut down because yeah. of lockdown phase one. So, essentially, my industry was...
1: Comic shops weren't real just, uh, essential, I
0: guess. Yeah, just majorly <laughs> affected. Super affected. I mean, like, uh, you know, and then, and then you know, we had all of this... You did, know,
1: did the your more current work having the digital online like, component so, kind of benefit you Yeah, no, you there? totally.
0: Well, so, so like... uh what that meant was my my guy, my editor at Comixology, the digital uh, you know, publishing initiative, uh, who used to be able to like look at all my sketches and like talk to me <laughs> twice a week and like, you know, now now he's essentially like moving the pillars of the industry, like <laughs> like on his back, you know, essentially now he's the biggest dude in the world. Yeah. And uh it's just I've had to basically be patient, you know, Uh, because like there's love, there's trust, as much love and trust as you can have in entertainment, Uh, and you know, the the good the one good development that's happened. Well, okay, there's there's two aspects to like what's what's developed during COVID. Uh, One is rather than. Uh, start kind of early just to keep my momentum uh, and maybe turn out like a a, a half-baked or subpar product. I have had all this extra time to do a lot of deep development. All these characters, all these stuff, all these files done now.
1: For your new project. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: even before and and I've got got about 10 pages done now and they're completely self-starting. Like I don't have a contract for that book yet. Yeah. But uh, it's aimed at my previous publisher so they've gotten a print deal for the dark okay and that's going to come out early next year uh i don't really it's it's not official yet you know it's not like announced like i can't go around telling you know telling details about that and yeah. what other parties are involved i mean people kind of inside the industry are, are like have an idea or they kind of know what's going on here. yeah but so so I've got basically a major print release on a book I've already got done coming up soon. And I think that once that is out, um, plus with the work I've got done already, just kind of chiseling it away on my mm-hmm. own, like in between, you know, rounds of taking care of my son and keeping house <laughs> and, you know, like all this stuff that I kind of have to do now, yeah. and, you know, living this new, very different <laughs> life <laughs> than I was this time last year. Yeah. Um, you know uh and and you know there's a bit of a leveling of the whole uh you know experience because we don't have our cons you know we might not even have comic-con again this year so like i've gone from you know back to back san diegos and new yorks with like all this fun stuff to like like now nothing now we're gonna go two years with like no cons uh yeah. and that's kind of good because I don't, I don't think we necessarily have to live by the con. I mean, I would, I would rather just be serious about sitting down, doing the work in isolation, banking as much work as possible. Um,
1: by the con, you die by the con. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, but you know, we don't have any right now, so, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I'm just being patient about this next project. I want it to be digital first. I would like for it to be, uh, you know, in conjunction and funded by comiXology during the the making of it
1: yeah um so aside from that that potential project uh your print release coming up uh you know i know you said earlier that you know a strategy is getting something transitioned into uh games movies something what other what other goals do you have for your career
0: uh well for my for my for my personal development i want to learn blender which is a software that seems to be like uh, really versatile for uh for rendering and lighting and making scenes hmm. like I might be able to create some uh some you know scripts and you know work with some engines and shaders to like you know now not only you know pipeline modeling into my black and white 2D illustration but I might be able to do just from my humble little laptop I might be able to start doing a lot more multimedia interesting things I might be able to animate hmm. with assets I've already got yeah. I might be able to even create a a whole new look or style if i start applying uh you know full you know rich rendering and lighting and you know that kind of stuff uh you know know, i'm not trying to like uh you know spend all my time you know learning all the different you know aspects of like high-end uh 3d rendering mm-hmm. but like all things as it becomes a little bit more push button and a little bit more desktop yeah. friendly like there's a lot more uh i could i could still explore uh while still kind of staying in the mode that i'm in um so i'm just kind of excited for that i mean professionally uh the big overarching goal now is to have uh my own thing that i write and draw and it's this one from you know from uh the southwest trip oh you're
1: planning to write this too yeah i'm writing
0: it too okay yeah uh and I'm taking a different approach because I, I'm making the art. So rather than like translating a long form script that someone else wrote into you know full art, I'm kind of doing a little notated hybrid. You know where I'm sort of sketching art, you know on napkins, and then modeling, creating like a little uh uh uh, 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 uh a little asset you know bunch or or library. Uh, and then kind of combining those to make, you know, story literally like I'm, you know, I, I'm kind of just folding one scene into the next kind of like literally through function of the function of making it make sense. Yeah. Visually, you know, I'm creating kind of a an ad hoc narrative like I'm not sitting down and writing like a, 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 a like a long, exhaustive script. Yeah, I just true. I just don't think that that's going to serve me. Uh, And and from my past experiences attempting to write long form, I end up reading it and throwing half of it away, keeping snippets and going back to the notebook. So I'm kind of like notebook sketches, model bashing and and kind of pushing this little ball of story.
1: Yeah. You know, is it freeing being able to manage that whole like beginning to the end of that process on your own?
0: Yeah. It's, you know, I have, I have my days that I feel like doing certain things. So I have a, I have days that I feel like modeling and I never open Photoshop. Uh, I have days where I might just be, uh, importing OBJ, which is a, you know, a 3d object, you know, uh, I might be importing an OBJ out of one, out of ZBrush into, you know, uh, another program or something, you know? So like I have days where like, I might, not, I might not model, but I'll be doing a lot of batch exporting and saving a lot of files. Uh, so, like, I, I have full days where I'm making comics, but I don't touch a panel. <laughs>
1: <Huh>. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then there are days where I just like to open up uh, Photoshop and just tie up multiple pages. I mean, I, I might have zero pages at the beginning of a day, but then I might have five pages done at the end of that day, but I've spent, you know, the whole week doing all the modeling building up yeah building up to, yeah, building up to yeah. it so yeah my big thing is like kind of like set up a bunch of pins like on these days and then knock them down on on other days
1: yeah makes sense for uh for anybody listening now if they want to learn more about you find your work uh if they want to find the dark where uh, where can they find you social media website anything like yeah, that?
0: yeah so I, w- I would say go to comiXology okay download the comiXology app on a phone or a tablet i recommend a tablet Um, just get it. Uh, you can read some stuff for free without signing up for a paid membership. But if you sign up for a paid membership, The Dark, my book with Mark Sable, is a free download. Gotcha. It's a comiXology original. So kind of like when you crack open Netflix and you see a Netflix original movie. Yeah, sure this is a, a comiXology original publication, um, so I, I would say, like, start there, um, anyone who wants to get familiar with me, uh, just go all in, read The Dark, read it, uh, by Mark Sable and Christian Donaldson, read it front to back, uh, it's, it's, it's short-ish, it's fun, uh, and then, you know, while you got comiXology open, maybe then go check out Supermarket, uh, and if you like me a lot after that, you know, Go ahead and search me by name, K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, Donaldson, and uh, and other stuff will come up on on Comixology. Uh, I have an Instagram, but I actually decided to take 2020 off of social media. Okay. Just focus on my family and my development and, uh, you know, keeping myself sane, uh, (laughs) happy, and, like, virus-free. So I have an Instagram. You could probably find it by searching my name but it's christian.work, so k-r-i-s-t-i-a-n.work, and that's also what my website is, but I haven't updated that in a while. Uh, Like, you won't see new stuff from the dark on there, Uh, but you'll see actually some of my, like, uh, weirdo stuff from, like, 2017, 2018 in there.
1: Cool. Well, uh, Christian Donaldson, thank you so much for your time. Uh, It was a pleasure having you on, and uh, everybody listening, thanks for tuning in. Peace. Creatives.